stopped and raised his hand. I bumped into him anyway. What is it? I whispered. Recons just captured two PAVN, he said. They walked right over them. The recon platoon was with us on that trip. The captain had given them point. His voice came over the radio, telling us to take another break. I went forward to have a look, to see what was going on. I could do that. I was the XO, the company's executive officer, the second in command. Fifty yards ahead of where we'd stopped, but hidden by the thick undergrowth, I came across the prisoners. Two little men with their hands tied behind them, squatting wide-eyed on the ground. Sergeant Rodriguez, one of the captain's RTOs, radio telephone operators, had the barrel of his rifle in their faces. They were well-equipped, these little viets. Khaki uniforms, canvas harnesses and ammo pouches, potato masher grenades, canvas sneakers. North Viet regulars, no doubt about it. The captain was inspecting one of their weapons, an SKS Chicom carbine with a folding bayonet. It was in mint condition. I was getting nervous. These guys were definitely PAVN. Hardcore all the way. Give them some water and treat them well, the captain said, handing the weapon to Rodriguez. The colonel's on his way up here to interrogate them. I studied the two little PAVN. So this was what they looked like up close. Clean-shaven, swarthy, high cheekbones, hair closely cropped on the sides. Thin, but not emaciated. And scared. More nervous than scared. One of them was shaking. Was it malaria or fear? What are they doing here? I asked the captain. We were three miles north of X-Ray, where we'd been fighting for two days. They're deserters, I think, he said. There were some others, too, but they lit out when they saw us coming. He nodded in the direction we were headed. Why had these PAVN just quit? It didn't make sense. Not after what we'd seen the last two days. Two days of heavy contact, and not a single PAVN had surrendered. The battalion commander, Lieutenant Colonel McDade, arrived with his RTOs, his S-2, intelligence officer, his S-3, operations officer, and an interpreter, and they gathered round the prisoners. I didn't like the way they were clustered around them, especially at the head of the column, so I backed away from the group, back into the undergrowth, to check our formation. From what I could see, we were still in pretty good shape. But I didn't like stopping again. Don Cornett, Charlie Company's XO, came striding forward through the heavy undergrowth behind us. He saw me, smiled, and came over. What's happening? he asked. I told him as best I could. We had a cigarette and shot the breeze for a few minutes. Then he went back to his people. I rejoined Costello and Denny Wilson my other RTO, and we waited for the word to move. It came, eventually, and we resumed our trek to Albany. We had gone less than a hundred meters when the direction of our march shifted slightly to the left and our pace began to quicken. I felt a sudden sense of urgency, magnified perhaps because I wasn't sure where Albany was. But then, in the distance, I saw a clearing, 
the first one we'd seen in three hours. Must be the LZ, I thought. Then Colonel McDade suddenly strode by, followed by his entourage, heading toward the front of the column. He seemed to be in a rush. Captain Sardinus called me forward. I found him kneeling on the edge of what appeared to be the LZ. A large, open, grass-covered field, sloping gently to the left into a bog of some kind. A large clump of trees rose from the middle of the field about a hundred meters ahead of us. I was astonished to see the colonel and his crowd heading across the open field toward the clump of trees. The captain told me that he'd sent the recon platoon across the field to reconnoiter the far side, that he'd sent the first platoon around to the right and the second platoon around to the left to secure the LZ. I couldn't see any sign of them. The vegetation was too thick, but they were out there, circling the...